Let me say, as we begin a new year, it's an awesome time to look afresh at things that are going on in our lives. And so as we begin, take a look at this. He thought it would be easier. Collected bits and pieces of your life have fallen into place here formed chapters leading to a satisfying story, a safe story. It's what you've always wanted, to curl up in the security of here, of what you know and love. It's all here. Maybe you didn't hear it. Maybe some whim or some disillusionment dangled the idea of adventure, of change in front of you. Maybe what you thought was God was really just you. Would God really tell you to leave what you know and love? As you saw in that video, God told Abraham, leave your country, leave your family, leave your father's home for a land I will show you. And for Abraham, as you can imagine, that was quite frightening. Just as it was for the lady in the video who was facing a move away from all the, the safety and the security and the places of comfort and people that she knew. But God said to Abraham and said to her, go. Just go. And often when we have to move from places in our lives to another place, and not always external places, but just even internally, it also is kind of frightening. It's also just comforting to us. So with Abraham and with the, the lady, it was like, what do I leave behind? It's also like, what do I keep? What do I take with me? For Abraham, home was a place of safety, a place of comfort. So leaving that was tough just as it was for this young lady. But Abraham left, and you see on the screen there, the thing at the top of it, there is an angel. So you see, God led Abraham when he said, just go from that place of comfort and that place of safety. And let me say, God does the same thing for the lady in the video. When she gets ready to go, the pad right there, if you can see that she's writing on, says God. She has a pro column and a con column and a God column. And she wrote down all the things that she thought God was calling her and leading her to go. And so when we look at this word go, it's interesting. Two big letters, G and O, as you see there on the screen. And what happens is if you add just a, another little letter, like a D, then the go becomes God. And you see, that's a big part of God is he wants us to go beyond where we are. He doesn't want us just to stay in the same place over and over again in our lives. And if you take those two big letters, G and O, as you see on the screen, and you add an R and a W, then suddenly it's grow. You see, that's what God wants for us as well. He wants us to go beyond where we are so that we can grow in places and in ways that we haven't before. And as we start a new year, it's an awesome time to kind of think about that. And so as we bound from 2013 and leap into 2014, you see there on the screen, it looks like kind of a, a sunset. But as you go into a new year, it's really much more like a sunrise, isn't it? 
as the road of the next year lays out before us, in this case, the year of 2014. And we see in Ecclesiastes 3.1, the King James Version, something that's very important as we head into a new year, and it's this, to everything there is a season. In other words, to everything in life, there is a time that it comes and it goes. And of course, for us, we like to stay in places of comfort. Whenever it is, we have to leave a place of comfort to go to a place that we don't really know exactly what's going to happen. It's not really really the kind of thing we want to do, but we need to realize that. To everything, there is a season. Well, think about your kids. When you first have a little one, the first thing that happens, there's the diapers and they're waking up in the middle of the night. And thankfully, that season passes relatively quickly. And then they're toddlers. And as I saw this morning with Wendy, Jacina was like, I don't want to do that. And what did Jacina want to do? She wanted to stick the straw in the foil, the drink foil. And could she do that by herself? No, she needed assistance. But thankfully, this phase will pass too, Wendy. And kids go through all different phases. I mean, one of the great things, if you're old enough to have a grown child and have children, is grandkids. Grandkids are awesome. But guess what? Kids have to leave the nest and leave home in order to have grandkids. And so that's the way it is. In everything, there is a season. And for us to get to the new stuff, we have to let go of the old stuff. Because you see, the new and the old can't occupy the same place. It's the same thing in relationships sometimes. Sometimes relationship, we go through kind of a, an opening and a closing of those, and it's pretty tough. Sometimes circumstances are that way. And especially in places of comfort, whether it's something going on in a situation or something going on in your own heart and life with God, you know, needs to change. Leaving those places of comfort are tough. But everything has a season. So we have to let go of the old things in order to embrace the new things. They both can't occupy the same place. Ecclesiastes 3.1 here in the King James also tells us, To everything there is a season and, a big end here, a time for every purpose under heaven. When it says every purpose, what does that mean? If you look at some of the other versions of the Bible, some of them say a time for every activity under heaven, or a time for every matter under heaven, or a time for everything under heaven. You see, God has a purpose and a time for everything in your life. And in many, many, many things of your life, there's a season to them. In other words, they will come and they will go. And in order to get to what God wants us to get to, we've got to let go of them because the old and the new can't stay in the same place. It's just not going to happen. And God wants us to know that as we begin a new year, to have that awareness. Because most of us will be like, nah, I like it the way it is. I'm not changing that. We will fight and we will scrap and we will defend those things in our lives because we don't want them to change. But God says, hey, virtually everything in your life will change. So drop that as you head into a new year because there's a whole lot more for you in the new year in that way than there is just, just hanging on to the same old, same old. In fact, Revelations 21.5 in the King James Version says, Behold, I make all things new. And what things? All things new. And again, what are those things? Well, they're all activities. They're all different kinds of matter, all purposes. And in order for us to really embrace this, what we have to do is we have to believe it. We have to believe that there's a season to things. We have to believe that God's got his timing on everything. We have to believe that he, his desire is to make things new in our lives. But first, we have to believe it. And the second thing we have to do is we have to be willing to let go of some of those things so that the change can take place, so God can do his thing. Sounds wonderful in principle, doesn't it? Yeah, Bill, I'm with you. 
That's a, that's a great principle. Let go of the old things so that new things can come in and God's going to be there to change them. Sounds great in principle, but come on, in practice, how do you really do that? How am I going to do that in this new year of 2014? Well, what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a reminder this morning, okay? Reminder, what's to be a pencil that was to be seating in each of your seats this morning, but somebody didn't remind me to bring the reminder. But I do have a card this morning that has a picture of a pencil on it, and so we will share a little more with you about that. The reason that I selected a pencil is because every pencil has a creator, and we have a creator too. And there's an interesting thing that goes along with what a pencil maker might say to a pencil in the same way as what God might say to us. Actually, it makes what God might want to say to us this morning a little more memorable if you think of it in that way. And you're probably all scratching your heads going like, he's really lost it this time, but bear with me, okay? Pencil maker's words to a pencil, the first thing it might say would be something like this. You will be able to do many great things, but only if you allow yourself to be held in someone's hand. If we look at that, we say, yeah, okay, that makes sense. And God wants to say something like that to people like you and me. He wants to say, you will be able to do many great things as well but only if you allow yourself to be held in my hand. And we know that's true. And when you think about a pencil, it would just be laying there and it couldn't do anything at all unless someone picks it up. But it's funny, when it comes to us, it doesn't really seem quite as applicable because, hey, I can do great things on my own without me being in God's hand. It's not so much we say, well, I don't want to be in God's hand, but we just don't think about it that way. We just kind of think and plan and prepare for our own lives in our own way. Let me give you some examples from my life. When I was in high school, I started taking architectural drawing. One of the things that came out of that is I want to be an architect. So it was really cool. My summer after high school, friends of our family decided they were going to build a new house. They suggested that I draw up the floor plans and some other friends of theirs were builders. And so I worked with them and the builder. And that summer I got paid for that. It was my whole summer job. I drew up a complete set of plans for a house that was built. Pretty cool for a budding architect, huh? So I went off to University of Florida. Things didn't work out so well there. The greatness that I thought I was gonna be a great architect didn't turn out. I was no Frank Lloyd Wright. So all of that greatness, all my planning, all my work ended up for nothing. After that, for a while, I skateboarded a lot. And I was pretty good at skateboarding. Got to help uh, guys start a skateboard company and got to, to help start a team. And we did really, really well. And you guys have heard I won the East Coast Skateboard Championships one year. But I'm no Tony Hawk. And so the greatness of that didn't really last either. And then I said, well, I have this drawing background. I have some construction background, skateboarding background. So maybe I could build a skateboard park. And so I helped design and build a million dollar. And this is in the 70s. This is a fortune. Million dollar skateboard park and recreational facility in Huntsville, Alabama. Unfortunately, three years later, the insurance industry killed the skateboard park industry. And so the greatness of that park went away, turning out I'm no Tim Payne, you know, our friend that builds skateboard parks very well now all over the world. Next said, well, you know, I'm going to go to seminary. I'm going to get a three-year graduate degree in theology. So I did that, and when I graduated, the dean said, you have the record for getting out the soonest. My three-year degree took me two years and four and a half months. Cool. But the greatness of that doesn't last long. I mean, what do you do with that? Besides tell people occasionally. And so that faded. And then after that, I went to uh, Winter Park and I pastored a church there. And for the first year and a half, we were one of the fastest growing churches in the denomination. It was great. Three years in, we were declining. So the greatness of that passed. So the bottom line is all the great things that I've done in my life don't matter. 
the greatness faded in all of them. So what are the kinds of things that would be great if I look at my life that maybe do last? Well, God has given me the opportunity and us as a church the opportunity to help hurting people, to make a difference in someone's life. And that difference can last a very long time. That difference can last eternally. I'm very, very blessed to be able to have led some people to Christ and to baptize some people. That's just internally an honor. I've had the blessing of being able to help Ted. I got between Ted and Ken Porter with a laptop, Ken's laptop he donated to him. And he went from being completely drunk and homeless the first time I saw him to living in an apartment with a job. What a great blessing that is. If you told me 10 years ago that I would help organize the feeding of 300 people on Christmas morning in downtown Orlando, I would have gone, you're nuts. But somehow it happened. You guys too probably, if 10 years ago we said you're going to be doing that, you probably have gone, no, not Christmas morning. And so you see, God said, hey, Bill, why don't you go with me and grow? And I kicked and scratched and fought all sorts of times in all sorts of ways. But eventually, sometimes more often than not, I go that way. And God says, no matter who you are or what you are, the same thing is true of you. You have that opportunity to do great things. Your great things are going to be different than my great things. But they're going to be no less great in God's eyes. As we look at this, you'll be able to do many great things. The question is, how are you going to define great things? I say define the great things being the things of God. And we see in Psalm 48.10 in the RSV, as thy name, O God, and thy praise reaches to the ends of the earth, thy right hand is filled with victory. You know, the right hand is usually a, a metaphor of somebody's really being able to do stuff. You know, most of us are right-handed. If you're left-handed, I apologize. But uh, if you're right-handed, you know, your right hand, you can do more things. Think about God's right hand. If you place yourself in God's right hand, God can do incredible things. And again, what are those things? What are you focused on in your life? Is it going to be earthly things or is it going to be divine, eternal things? A pencil maker might say to a pencil, a second thing would be you'll experience a painful sharpening from time to time, which is necessary for you to be a better pencil. And God says kind of the same thing to us. God says you will experience a painful sharpening from time to time, which is necessary for you to be a better person. And we know that's true. We see in James 1, verses 2 and 4 in the NIV, consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds which is hard for us to grasp. Now, why do those words, which is hard for us to grasp, appear up on the screen in italics? Because they're not in the scripture. But we're all thinking that, aren't we? Pure joy whenever I face trials. Trials means I have to be dislodged, usually against my will, from places of comfort in my life. Why do I want to do that? Scripture continues. It says, because you know that, the testing of your faith develops perseverance. And what's perseverance? Well, one definition is long-suffering. Oh, great. So I'm going to be blessed by having these trials taken out of my places of comfort against my will so that I can suffer. Boy, doesn't that sound like fun. But you see, it's not just long-suffering, but it's getting along in the midst of whatever you're suffering, whatever your trial that you're going through. Some of you may remember President Reagan, and they said that he was the Teflon president. And what that meant was that nothing stuck to him. We well, see God wants us to have spiritually that Teflon capacity so that when stuff in life comes on us, it's not going to necessarily stick to us either. 
And you see, it's not just being long-suffering, but perseverance must finish its work. You see, when you go through trials and you go through them with God, God begins working in your life. He begins changing your thoughts, your attitudes, your feelings, your outlooks in a way that only He can. So that when unpleasant stuff comes up in life, a lot of times, and more often than we'd like, it's not going to stick to you in the same way. It's not going to drag you down in the same way. It's not going to have the same kind of weight in your heart. So perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete. You see, that's what God wants for you. He wants you spiritually to have that sense of Teflon. But it only can happen through trials and through Him working in your life and perseverance working in your life. So as the Scripture says, you won't be lacking in anything. Again, you'll experience painful sharpening, which is necessary for you to be a better person. And what does that mean? For you to be a stronger person. You'll be persevering. In other words, you'll be able to deal with that stuff without it sticking with you as much. And so that you'll be joyful. And what kind of joyful? Well, the Scripture said purely joyful. And you see, you can have that kind of life, that outlook, because of the fact that sometimes you have to be painfully sharpened. Another thing a pencil maker might say to his pencil, thirdly, would be, you'll be able to correct mistakes you will make. They won't be fatal. Similarly, God says to you and me, I'm able to. God says, correct mistakes you will make, and they won't be fatal. The funny thing about mistakes is we hate to make them. Oh, man, I hate making mistakes. I hated leaving the pencils at home this morning when I realized that. If you don't have one on your seat, you can take home with you. But you know what? I'm going to make mistakes. It's inevitable. Guess what? You are going to make mistakes. And we dislike it so much, but it's true. We make mistakes sometimes in relationships, or sometimes we might make a mistake at work. Sometimes we might make a mistake in something we say or we do. We certainly make a lot of mistakes in the things we think, don't we? So that's inevitable. And so what we need to do is we need to get off our high horse, put a ladder up to the high horse and climb down out of there and realize that that's just the way we are. Matthew 6, 14 in the NIV says this. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. In saying that, there's really three things I think God's trying to say to us. Two of them are written down and one of them's inferred. And the first thing is, if you forgive men when they sin against you, at least the shell is broken on the fact that I'm going to make mistakes. Well, guess what? If you're going to make mistakes, others are going to make mistakes as well. That's obvious. And so if you can forgive them of their mistakes because, you know, you're going to make them too, then there's a whole new dynamics going on. And secondly, then God says your heavenly Father will also forgive you. He'll forgive you because you won't have the hard feelings against others. And He'll forgive you of the mistakes you made. And the third thing that's implied, not in the Scripture, but implied is this. You can also forgive yourselves. A lot of times we struggle with forgiving ourselves. We make a mistake and our first reaction is, Oh, I can't believe that you've done that again. It may be guilt. It just is always there. When it says that God is able to correct our mistakes, what are we really talking about? How does he do that? One thing he does is he heals us. Because when we make a mistake, we tend to inflict a wound upon ourselves. Oh, I can't believe that you've done that again. God says we need to heal that. That doesn't need to go on. When somebody else makes a mistake, it can hurt us. And God says, you know, we need to heal that as well. And the other thing it does is it transforms us. You see, God is able to take us from where we are and again work inside of our hearts and our lives and transform us in a different way when it comes to our mistakes and others' mistakes and our beating ourselves up with our own. Another thing a pencil maker might say to the pencil, fourthly, would be, the most important part of you will always be what's inside. Similarly, God says to us, hey, Bill, 
Hey, Chris. Hey, Wendy. The most important part of you will always be what's inside of you. We see in Ephesians 3.20 in the Living Bible this. Now, glory be to God who is able. Now, look at this. Is able to do far more than we could ever dare, ask, or even dream. Infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, or hopes. Now, when you hear that, it's almost too good to be true, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, who could ever make a promise like that? Who could ever fulfill that? Well, God could. Now, how does God do that? Well, a couple words are missing there in the scripture. If we fill them in, now glory be to God who by his mighty power. Oh, okay. It's God's mighty power that's able to do these things. But it's still, there's a disconnect. And the rest of the words of the scripture say, Glory be to God who by his mighty power at work within us. You see, what's going on inside of you is the most important part of you. And yeah, I know, you know, we all want to try to look good. I'd like to look a lot younger than I'm looking these days, guys, I'll tell you. But that's not really the important part. The important part is me. It's in here. It's my heart. It's my outlook. It's my thoughts. That's the most important part of me. It's kind of interesting that uh, God says that because in the world we are in, we are constantly bombarded with ads, aren't we? We're constantly bombarded by things like, look at things this way. And most of the things that we're supposed to look at that way are outward things or things that will pass away. I did a little research and found out that the average person sees an ad 247 times a day. 247 times a day, you're told, ah, the most important part of you is not what's inside of you. It's what's outside of you and all around you. And they get that number, they say, by the number of TV commercials you might see or the ads you hear on the radio, the number of ads you might see in print if you read the newspaper or you read magazines, if you drive down the road and you see billboards. If you look at a label uh, when you pull something out, they say 247 times a day you're bombarded by words that would have you look at external things. Now, if you add to that, you go to the grocery store or, God forbid, Walmart. <laughs> thousand times a day you may be faced with things that say buy me or this is important or this is going to enhance your life to the contrary of knowing that the thing that's able to do far more than we could ever dare to ask or dream of infinitely and how big is infinite it goes on forever infinitely beyond our highest prayers desires thoughts or hopes that's the mighty power of god at work within us even though it's counter to all the advertisements and all the things the world says a fifth thing that the pencil maker might say to the pencil is, whatever surface you're used on, be sure to leave your mark. As you can imagine, God kind of says the same thing. Whatever surface you're used on, be sure to leave your mark. Because the truth is, everything you do leaves a mark. Be it a mark that is good or bad, be it a mark that's fleeting or a mark that's permanent. Everything you do leaves a mark. And 2 Corinthians 3, 3 in the NIV says this, Show that you are a letter from Christ, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. You see, everything you do affects others, affects the world, and yes, it even affects yourself. What we need to do is we need to be aware of that as Christians. We need to go into each day as followers of Christ saying, Hey, you know what? What I do matters. Now, it may not matter in the way you're going to see it on the, the news. It may not matter in a way if you post it on Facebook, you know, you're going to get you know, 100 likes and 50 comments. But know that it matters. And so as you go into each day, you're not going to write with a pencil or a pen on the days of 
2014, but you're going to write on them with the Spirit of God. And that matters. And that will lead to great things, even if the world doesn't know it. But you'll know it, and God knows it. 2 Peter 3, 8 in the Living Bible says, But don't forget this, dear friends, that a day or a thousand years from now is like tomorrow to the Lord. In other words, each day is like a new year. Each day is full of new possibilities and new life. And so although at the beginning of a year you think about resolutions and you think about making some changes, God says, keep that spirit with you. Keep it every day. Every day is new. Every day has this incredible possibility. To close, I want to share with you a video, and it's from some folks that are called Soul Pancakes. Now, Soul Pancakes is a site that creates and posts video of things that are encouraging and challenging in all areas of life, including spirituality. But what I want to share with you comes from Ecclesiastes 3.4. Remember we started with Ecclesiastes? Everything has a season and time for every purpose under heaven. Ecclesiastes 3.4 says that there is a time to mourn. And when things in our life change, we feel like we're under trials. We feel like our places of comfort in life are being ripped from us. Times that we mourn. Things don't go well even in a small way in your day. Something you're carrying on. You may not realize it, but you start mourning inside like, oh man... So God says there are times like that, but there are also times to dance. And, and have you ever seen anybody mourning and dancing at the same time? Not too much. They're opposite things. In fact, the Psalms, uh, Psalm 13, verse 11 in the New King James Version says that you have turned for me, dear God, my mourning into dancing. You know what? I think God wants us to dance. I think God wants us to dance through our days much more than he wants us to be mournful in our days. I think he even wants us to dance more than he wants us just to walk through our days. And so this video from Soul Pancake is of a city street in a, a downtown section, very, very busy. And what they did was they would wait a little while. And then when the light changed, they would have blaring music suddenly go off. And you'll see in, in the video the young lady is startled by that. And then instead of just the walk sign, they also have a big dance sign. So in other words time for you to go across the walk, crosswalk. Here's a lot of music. Dance. And, and there are a lot of people who spontaneously start dancing across the crosswalk. It's awesome. And I think God wants us to live our days that way. Sure, sometimes you walk, but why not dance? It's so much more fun. Watch this. Yeah, even the lady doing pirouettes there wasn't perfect. She kicked her shoe off right in the middle of the street. But you could also see the big smile on her face the whole time. You see, that's the way I think God wants us to live, to live more spontaneously. And we can do that. If we see each new day is like a new year, it's full of new possibilities and full of new life. I think God's saying he wants us to dance through each day. And you see, you can do that if you remember these five things. And there's a card on the table by the door. So make sure you pick one up. 
And as I say that, I want you to spend a couple minutes today and memorize those five things. Now, if it was just applying to you and me, I can't remember them. Somehow, related to a pencil, and what a pencil maker would say, they're really easy to remember. And so what happens is, is you're going through your day and you bump into something, you're sharpened, or perhaps you, you're trying so hard because you got your own hand on your life doing something and it's not working out. If you've made another mistake and you just are really struggling with that. So if you're externally focused, trying to find things that are better for your life instead of being focused on what's inside. And perhaps, too, if you are just walking around saying, I don't matter, instead of focusing how you can matter in every situation. These are things that can help you. So make sure you grab one of these at the door and you memorize this day. It's so easy because you'll do many great things if you allow yourself to be in God's hands. So easy to remember that for a pencil more than it is for us. Secondly, you'll experience painful sharpening things at times, but you'll become a stronger, better person. It's so easy to remember that for one end of the pencil and then remember it for yourself. Thirdly, God is able to correct mistakes you will made. They won't be fatal. Oh, it's so good to know that. And again, the end of the pencil has an eraser, so it's easy to remember that. Fourthly, the most important part of you will always be what's inside. You know, a pencil that doesn't have any lead doesn't work, but we know that that's the important part. And fifthly, whatever surface you used on, be sure to leave your mark. Really leave God's mark. It's the same thing with a pencil. pencil is not any good until it leaves the mark. So grab one of the cards for God's big go and grow things for 2014. Remember those. And then every day this year, when you kind of come up against something, review them and realize that God has so much more for you. So go big and grow big in 2014. Join me as we pray. Gracious God, thank you so much for your son, Jesus Christ, for his place in our hearts and our lives. Thank you, Father, for the reminders this morning of how we can have the best year that we've ever had in our lives. Let me say that again. Thank you, Father, for showing us how we can have the best year that we can ever have in our lives. I know, Father, a lot of us are facing all sorts of stuff. doesn't appear that way. But help us to take to heart what you've shown us this morning. We ask, Father, you'd meet us in that. You'd help us to go and grow beyond where we are now. All these things, Father, we thank you for. Thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen.